And yes, that is the sound that I always make after I open a can or a bottle of uh, some fine ale or lager. Uh, it's the sounds of the clash, and it's our welcome sound to another episode of Sip, Smoke, and Savor on Radio Brave. Welcome to the show. My name is Cruz. My host is Ian Barry. How are you, my brother? Doing good today. How are you doing? Good. I'm doing great. Yeah, absolutely. Just, uh, just kind of like chugging through, enjoying all the summer vibe that's in the air. Everybody's, you know, doing the long weekends and the holidays. And I've noticed a lot of people are like out of work a day or two because they're like taking those vacation days and adding them to the weekend to get the long weekend. And I'm get just the, thinking the five day weekend yeah, that way. I'm just thinking about you know barbecues and you know drinks and smokes and it's just right up our alley. That was my last weekend. It yeah. was wonderful. <laughs> you know, it's always fun whenever you get a little extra time. And summer seems to be the perfect time for that to kind of lay back have a have a little bit of extra smoke have a little bit extra to drink uh, just because you've got the time and the ability to kind of like you know relax and let loose which is what the show is all about this this is a show about the good life so that's uh, or at least that's how we look at it anyway well and it also helps when you create your space for that too i finally got my lawn mowed down to a reasonable length and so I got my patio set up, and I could sit out there and relax mm-hmm. and not stare at my lawn guiltily. <laughs> now, just out of curiosity, do you smoke a cigar while you're mowing the lawn? I do smoke certain yeah. cigars while I'm mowing. I say certain ones because some of them, you know, they're at the right price point to where I don't have to think about it so much. Just a good cigar to smoke mm-hmm. and not think about too right. much. So I will. I have been known to walk around with a cigar, and uh, I don't usually have a beer while I'm mowing the lawn. I wait till afterwards, mm-hmm. but... <laughs> cigar and iced tea is not bad either. Reward for getting the lawn done. I That's like right. That's well, right. Uh, I, as you know, I live in a building where I don't have to mow the lawn, uh, which is nice. But I kind of have the same approach to the um, the wind. If it's particularly windy on the balcony, I won't always go with uh, an ultra premium. You know, because right. you did so, just don't enjoy it quite as much. The wind will take a little bit of that out of your sail. So I try to get something that's a little bit flavorful, but maybe not. It's not the time you break out the Padron Anniversario and go. That's right. Yeah, That's right. I'm gonna I'm gonna smoke my twenty dollars <laughs> cigar uh, on the balcony today. You wait for the wind to die down a little bit. So. Yeah, I have a, a drawer in my humidor that's pretty much dedicated to my lawn mowing cigars. Oh, kind of. see, that's perfect. See, so. I, see, I need to do that. I just have I have several humidors, but I, my stuff's all mixed up. I need ah, to yeah. I need to segregate. That would be that would be a great idea. Well, this is our second episode of Sip, Smoke, and Savor on Radio Brave, and we want to thank you for coming back for episode number two, um, Ian. Barry, uh, tell everybody, I realize we did this last episode, but just kind of remind us, tell us a little bit about yourself. Well, I don't mind talking about myself. We can do this every single episode if we want. That's good, because we talk about you, so <laughs> you know, it's a, it, it works It's probably out. different. Yeah. Mm-hmm. But uh, my name's Ian Barry. I've been in and around the Houston area for a lot of years, playing in different bands, uh, also enjoying cigars. And mm-hmm. I like to go out to places that have good beers and find a patio and enjoy a cigar and that's just you know one of the things I like to do recently. Now you and I were out in a uh, really nice uh, place at patio. It was your wife's birthday, and we yeah. were drinking rums. And yes, that, that was, was good. That was a Calabash in That's downtown. Absolutely, Calabash in downtown Houston. We had a good time there. That was. A I nice have patio. Actually, I have actually brought a uh, premium rum for us to sample later in the show. Fantastic! And you can tell me what you think of this. Now I know you're less of a rum guy than I am, uh, but you're more of a whiskey guy. I, I, we both are kind of like. 
a mirror of each other in that way. Like, uh-huh. I really like whiskey, but I don't understand it the way you do. And I think with rum, it's vice versa. It's kind of the same way yeah. around, right? Yeah. So, right. So, uh, so we'll get to that. That'll be fun. Plus, Mark from Goliad Brewing is joining us. On He's going to be today. here. That's a great yeah. guy. He's a lot of fun. He's enthusiastic about his job. I love He's that. He's enthusiastic, uh, enthusiastic about his beer. He's a lot of fun to be around. So we can ask him any beer question we want to? Yeah, he's very knowledgeable. So looking forward to that. That's going to be awesome. So do you uh, smoke anything interesting this week, Ian? You know, uh, one of my favorites, uh, I didn't smoke anything new and interesting, but I smoked one that I always have, if I know I'm going to have time, uh, one of my go-tos is a Camacho Triple Maduro. Oh, nice. You mentioned liking this cigar. Yeah, And they smoke forever. Like, if you think I'm going to have this much time because you're looking at this size, like a Corona or whatever, Mm -hmm. it's going to smoke about half again as long as you think. They they smoke cool and they smoke long. And it's a big, full mocha and and cedary flavor. It's a wonderful cigar. Where would you rate it on the strength? uh, It's definitely into the full flavored Mm -hmm. uh, side of it. It, It's probably at the very beginning of the full flavored side of it just because it's got such a sweetness to it. Um, And that's one of the things that I really like about it because it's a big, big full smoke. But it's got a lot of sweetness to the finish. It doesn't leave your mouth feeling... Uh, burned or or with any bitterness at all. I know Camacho went to this new packaging a year or two ago. Yeah. That's the colored uh, bands. What color is the band on this one? Uh, the remember? Camacho Triple Maduro, I think, is the black. The black because band. Yeah, the I think, purple I think that's one right. is yeah. the diplomat, uh, mm-hmm. the diploma, I think, and then the beige one is the Connecticut. Okay. So. so, do you smoke cigars with the band on, or do you take it off when you light? You know, it depends. It depends. If it moves around a little bit, I take it off immediately. Yeah. yeah. Um, but I don't I don't really think that much about it. And a lot of times I'll lay it and as I'm sitting there tinkering, you know, with yeah. my hands, it'll it'll come off at some point <laughs> yes. in time. So I don't put a whole lot of weight whether it has to stay on or off. I love it. Love but the Camachos have a really long band anyway, so you kinda mm-hmm. gotta pull those. At off. some point that's gotta come yeah. off of there. Yeah. <laughs> you won't get that far into your cigar until you start hitting that. Well, I, I had an interesting one this week and uh it, it in fact is a cigar that you gave me, which is one of the awesome things about having you as a friend because you show up uh, at the house for like uh, you know dinner or a, a little a bit of a extracurricular uh, drinking activity. Uh, you often bring cigars, and you brought me a Man of War Ruination. The I last like those. Time you were I over. like those. And you know, I'd had mixed experiences with Man of War in general. I found him to be good in the power uh, uh, division, but. Maybe not quite as complex, uh, you know, just more of a straightforward cigar. So I wasn't sure what to expect, except I knew that you liked this. And I have to say, the Ruination was fantastic. It did have lots of power. It was, lots of it power, was yeah. nice and full. Uh, but I, I could, you know, detect notes of earth and, and chocolate and maybe a, a little bit of a toasty uh, flavor in there. And that's, uh, that's pretty good for a cigar that strong to be able to have... Uh, you know that kind of nuance to it to be able to pull those flavors, and out of it. especially with one like that that's so powerful. One of the things I really try to do is I try to keep it in my humidor for about six to eight months to let it mellow and yeah. really let it mellow a little bit, and um, and and just kind of absorb the the, the humidor, the ce- the cedar, and and I think that really helps too because I've had them where they're harsh a little bit too, mm-hmm. but uh, but letting them sit in there a little while really helps. I, I think that's. More true with the full-flavored cigars yes. than it is uh, with the others. Although I will say I've had a few of the 
lighter sort of like Connecticut shade wrapper, sort of lighter type of things that I've noticed have picked up a lot more sort of interesting nuance after being left in the humidor for a while. Right. Instead and, of being more straightforward and light. And it's know? interesting because it's also going to change depending on what other cigars you have around it, too. To some oh, that's degree. true. Yeah, yeah, that's very true. So uh, I don't know if I've ever asked you this before, but do you smoke any of like the uh, Drew Estate Acid, uh, the infused type cigars? Do you like those at I all? Do. do. I enjoy the uh, Cuba Cuba especially and the Naturals I really like. Mm-hmm. But oddly enough, I keep all those in a separate humidor. That was going to be my question. Do you keep them in a separate humidor a, so they don't influence humidor. the other cigars? That's right, because the ones with the, like if they're coffee infused or things like that, I just don't want that wandering around in my humidor as much uh, because my humidor has four drawers. It holds a whole bunch of cigars. Mm-hmm. but. But those, I'd rather let those you know, stay by themselves. I, I enjoy, from time to time, I, I don't want them all the time, but from time to time, I really do enjoy a uh, an acid cigar. I like the Cuba Cubas, and they've got one, I'm blanking on the name of it now, but it's it's the most box-pressed cigar you've ever seen in your life. It, oh, the way It's a full rectangle. It's a waff or a uh, wave something, or something Yeah, like uh, we'll look that up during the break, but uh, but it, it's, it's quite good, although it's... A little bit hard to cut. You got to use a punch, uh, a punch cutter on it. Right. Uh, and uh, and I've even enjoyed in the past uh, some of the cigars by that complete nut job dude, uh, Lars Tetons. Have you ever heard of him? Oh, I don't even know what that is. Oh, You'll so have to introduce we'll, me right, to that. Another show. We'll do a we'll do a whole uh, Lars Tetons segment. But we got a pretty full show today. Uh, Mark from Goliad Brewing is joining us today. We are going to be uh, sampling some Goliad brews, and we'll be sampling some Papa's Pilar Twenty Four. Uh, I don't think it's named. After the TV show, I think that's a different designation. Uh, but we'll be sampling that. That's a rum, plus brews and booze in the news. And we'll talk a little bit about smoke-friendly establishments. There's a brand new one open in New York City that I just saw some pictures of, and it looks amazing. So for anybody who's doing some traveling to the Big Apple this summer, uh, it's a place you should definitely check out. I can't so wait to hear about that. That's all coming up. This is Sip, Smoke, and Savor on Radio Brave. He's Ian Barry. My name is Cruz. We'll be right back. To sip, smoke, and savor, <laughs> we'd be uh, we'd be lighting up a nice one on the beach in Hawaii. That's for sure. That would be fun. Now, what is uh, what is uh, the drink in Hawaii? Is it rum? Like, what do people drink on the beach? Like, if you go to the uh, Caribbean islands, it's rum. Like That's everything rum, is, right. is, and some tequila, of course. But uh, but rum is kind of like the predominant drink. But I don't know about Hawaii. Do you? I, I don't know either. It might be daiquiris. <laughs> Everybody <laughs> might be drinking frozen daiquiris. Our show is sip, smoke, and savor. This is uh, edition number two. So. We, we actually made it through the first show, and we're not banned from the building. So uh, here we are, back in uh, back in doing show number two. So, uh, my name's Cruz. This is Ian Barry, and we have a special guest in the studio this Our week. Our special guest here today is Mark from Goliad Brewery. Uh, the brewery's been open for a few years. I'll let him uh, uh, fill you in on the history of it. But I have a bit of history with him. We're in a in a club called CCSD. That's the Connoisseurs Club of Smoking and Drinking. <laughs> and uh, I met him quite a few years ago while joining this club. And uh, we like to think of ourselves as a drinking club with a brewing problem. Love it. Love it. Right. So I've known, I have quite a bit of history with him. I remember when he got this job, he's very excited about it. And he's still excited about it. So I called him up and said, hey, come be on our show and check it out. So I'm going to turn it over to him for a moment. Mark, tell us a little bit about yourself. Uh, thanks, Ian. Hey, guys. Um 
Yeah, we're Goliad Brewing Company. We're in Goliad, Texas. We actually just turned two years old. I've been with the company almost three years, uh, actually employee number one. <laughs> <laughs> nice. But, uh, you know, came on to do some, like, pre-launch marketing and help with, uh, you know, some of the uh, brand development and, and stylistic uh, development. Of that the was a lot of fun at that period because you would just show up with various bottles of different beers going, try this. Like unlabeled this. bottles, yeah, right? Yeah, pretty much. Yeah. The uh, CCSD was my uh, guinea pig group. Now, how did you guys find out about CCSD? Was this something you like recommended by a friend, or was it online? How did you how did you uh, how did you know about it in the first place? So it's got this um, you know this kind of underground Montrose following, and mm. I was actually um, I was actually a uh, keg delivery salesman over the uh, over the Montrose River Oaks area, mm-hmm. and bartenders would tell me about it. It's like, you know, because I was really passionate about beers. Right. I, I love the, uh, you know, the crafts and imports, you know, even emerging, going back throughout my career, kind of, you know, gravitated toward that very early on. So uh, I had people start suggesting it to me. So I started kind of looking for them, and, you know, um, I ended up with a deal where, like, I was supplying the, uh, you know, Houston Roller Derby. <laughs> and uh, the, evidently they were fans, and uh, they they showed up uh, in the back where we would tap the extra keg <laughs> and uh, and drinking. And I and I saw their shirts, and I'm like, I've been looking for you. And <laughs> of course, that wasn't the way to introduce yourself to them. <laughs> probably not. They're probably like, oh crap. <laughs> but uh, yeah, we talked through it, and they they told me, uh, you know, if you're interested, show up, give me an address, and. <laughs> So it really is a little bit clandestine then, isn't it? It's not like something that you can't just look it up on the internet and join, right? No, no, no. You have to know somebody. You have to be invited out to it. So okay. I'd like to say we're exclusive, but I wouldn't say we're picky, Oh, okay. if that makes sense. <laughs> <laughs> well, so that's so that's how you two guys met. And were you in? Uh, were you doing Goliad Brewing uh, uh, how, how long after you joined CCSD uh, did you go to work for Goliad? Oh wow, that was probably six or seven years. Oh wow, okay. Yeah. So you've been at been at the club a while then. That's yeah. good. Yeah. So so how did you get the gig with the uh, with the brewery? Well, you know, um so going back, I started in beer in ninety five. Mm-hmm. I was a uh, you know um at a position you called line cleaner back then. I was twenty one years old and mm-hmm. and uh you know, Shiner and Sam Adams were in the house mm-hmm. or in the distributor that I worked for, and they were emerging. Sam Adams had two reps, and those guys really focused on me because I did all the special events. So they would just start teaching me about beers and uh, got me got me interested in venturing deeper and deeper. And it's just a path I've always followed. You know, moving on from from there, I, I went on to a to a different distributor um, in the uh, early around two thousand. And uh, ended up on the Interloop sales route, which is where all the crafts and, the, yeah. you know, everything was developing. So, you know, I was, <laughs> you know, I, I, I always like to say I, I actually sold more Shiner Bach than Miller Lite on my route so, <laughs> <laughs> back then. Good but, for uh, you. It's <laughs> <laughs> awesome. Uh, what's your take on the development of the craft beer industry? Obviously, it's been explosive. The latest figures say it may be slowing down a little bit. Uh, I just think there's so much more to choose from now, but uh, but but what's your take? Do you think it's still uh, uh, still going to be as explosive as it's been? Um, actually, yes. I mean, it's it's not showing signs. It's not trending down. 
Mm -hmm. If anything, it's still trending up. It might be leveling in the speed it's trending, but any, I think that's right. Yeah. Anytime you you increase the base, mm -hmm. you know your your increases will you know reduce in in uh, percentages. Right. That, so that, that makes that's, total that's, sense. Yeah, yeah. that's going to be you know if, if there were ten people drinking craft and you know twenty people started drinking next year, that's a hundred. You know, it doubled. Right. Right. So that, you know it's going to get it's going to stop doubling, but it's still growing. Still going to keep growing yeah. at a regular at a regular pace. That's a great way to look at it. Yeah, yeah. I, I think that's right. And a lot of times, I think people, you know, we live in such a Wall Street fueled society. People are only looking for how much you grew versus last quarter, where sometimes there's like a natural sort of leveling off period for things, and then they take a you know an, another upturn again too. So uh, I, I think it really just depends. It's it's hard to uh, it, it's hard to look at one quarter or one year even and say, well, this is the trend. Right. Uh, but if you look back at where we were even five years ago, I mean, the growth has been explosive with craft beer. Explosive. I mean, if you just go to a specs now and look at how much more space is devoted to craft beer and how, particularly if you go in the cooler, like it can sometimes be a little bit hard to find the more mainstream beers now. If you if you don't know where to look, they're kind of like down at the end, you know. <laughs> yeah, I was at the uh, downtown location the other day, and I love the way they have their beer section set up mm -hmm. because they have, uh, you know, U.S. brews, they have imported brews, and then they have a whole line of this is just texas right like which is very cool whole area is just texas and it's not a smaller area by any means either so how old is goliad uh, brewing company it so, started a couple years ago yeah we turned two in april i <clears> okay. mean what, what we're gauging that on is first release we okay. released our very first batch of beer in, in april of 14 so is it i would imagine it's a very daunting thing to jump into the craft beer industry what like what do you do okay we brewed this now what do you do you know yeah you know exactly we gotta you know you've you know a lot of a lot of brewers will forget about those those other steps and those other steps can be the most important mm -hmm. um you know um i've always i've always said to a fault marketing takes precedence over the liquid Mm -hmm. You know, getting you know, getting people to the point of trying it is what marketing is. Getting them warmed up and and uh, ready to accept your product. Without that, you're you know, uh, you're kind of fending you know for yourself. So, so what do you do? You're Goliad. You've got what you feel like is a great product. What's the next step? Is it about distribution? Is it about um, you know trying to go in and do sampling in stores? What's what's next? Well, you know, the the first step is going to be finding the accounts and mm -hmm. i personally from my background believe in in strategic development mm -hmm. um i'm not a shotgun developer i don't want to throw it everywhere and see what sticks and then go back and service what sticks because you know a lot of times if you're putting it in the wrong places you'll end up with aging product and when somebody finally comes across it it's, it's not as good as it's yeah. supposed to be yeah yeah and they're turned off from the label Mm -hmm. So you want to you know focus on on your uh, your key players first, find avenues to develop it, and then let the market accept it in the next level and, and the I'm, next level. I'm guessing the key players means stores that have the maybe big, a, a, a tendency to have like bigger sort of more experimental craft beer buyers as as a part of their clientele. Is that right? Yes. Yeah. yeah. Places where you know people are going to find the next thing. Mm-hmm. Mm -hmm. And uh, 
setting, you know, they're the, they're what I call the trendsetter. There's right. trendsetters, then there's followers, you know, the people who, who follow the trend right behind it. So is it harder to become the next thing? Or oh, is yeah. it Or is it harder to, like, once you are the next thing, to stay relevant once something else is the next thing? Which one's harder? Well, we're starting to see evidence of both. Yeah? <laughs> yeah, because yeah. we're, we're seeing, uh, you know, uh, we're, we're seeing the the original trendsetters uh, on a downward trend. <laughs> mm-hmm. That's that's an interesting way to put it, but you're right. Some of the things that were those first beers that we were buying instead of the mainstream beers are now, kind of, those are now kind of leveling off, and you're seeing so many different new options and stuff kind of taking their place. <clears throat> I know the little store uh, downstairs in my building just has this little, um, you know, this little beer area there, and I'm amazed at how many different brands are represented in this small, basically one cooler. You know, mm-hmm. it's it's crazy. Used to be it would have been four brands, you know, in in that kind of a space, and now it's like uh, it's easily 150 brands, you know, just all represented in that in that cooler, and it's it's kind of interesting to. Even as a consumer, to go, okay, what have I not tried? What do I, what do I want to try? And that's you know that's a little bit about what I want to uh, ask you uh, about in the next segment, Mark. And I know that uh, Ian's got some questions as well. But but how do you convince people to try? You, you've got something new. You think it's great. Now what do you do? I mean, you can advertise. You can you know put up signs. You but but how do you get people to take that first sip? So uh, we'll talk about that when we return. You're listening to Sip, Smoke, and Savor. It is the uh, show about cigars and fine spirits and craft brew. And we got some good looking craft brew in this bucket that Mark brought in. What are you thinking, Ian? Uh, I would like to introduce everybody to Golden Ale when we come back. All right. Sounds like a plan. Sip, Smoke, and Savor on Radio Brave. Listening to Sip, Smoke, and Savor on Radio Brave. It is our second show, and I'm excited because the beers have come out of the ice. Uh, my name is Cruz. Ian Barry is my co-host. Uh, Ian, have uh, you and Mark have known each other for how long? Ooh, that's a good question. Uh, when did I join that club? Would have been eight years ago now. Oh my gosh! Wow. Yeah, you're yeah, uh, somewhere in there. Could be closer to nine. Yeah, mm-hmm. it's been a while. It'll be but. ten for me. Oh this, wait, it was two thousand seven. I had to think about mm-hmm. that. Yeah, it was two thousand seven. Yeah, so, so, so I, like, I'll be ten this this fall. Right. <laughs> wow. Uh, well, uh, Mark from Goliad Brewery is here. Uh, Mark, tell us what we are going to sample first. Well, I brought out the uh, Goliad Golden Ale. Okay. Now, is this your most popular uh, beer? You know what's really neat about Goliad beers is every market has a different number one. Really? We have an incredibly balanced portfolio. That's actually really cool, <laughs> you know? I, I like when regional things can drive stuff like that. So um, so in terms of uh, of the gold nail, where would this be the most popular in the in the Texas area? 
It's um, it's most popular in Houston and South. Houston um, and South, okay. Mm-hmm. So in the area around the brewery, except Corpus Christi, where our IPA is by far interesting. I I can't stress enough by way far our number one. <laughs> Does it have to do there. with maybe what gets in on taps there the most, or I, what do you think? Well, we put the Port Aransas Lighthouse on the label, ah, so I think that go. has a lot to do with the. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Plus, it's it's a market that's um, it's a few year be- years behind the major cities where the IPA segment is the most explosive mm-hmm. segment in Corpus right. Christi right now. And I think that's a lot of the drive is is the uh, the the people who are consuming craft are mm-hmm. are gravitating to the IPAs there. So I got a tip for you: if you want to have a real like winner in Dallas, maybe put like an illustration of a woman with really really big hair on the uh, on the label because uh, that <laughs> might go over really big. In, in, I'm you sorry. haven't even seen the label yet. Sorry, I'm just messing with my, <laughs> I'm just messing with my brother. He lives in Dallas, so uh, so uh, so let's drink some gold nail. This looks great, uh, and, and you can tell us a little bit about where this one. Oh, I love that sound. Yeah, uh, you can tell us a little bit about where this one came from. Was this your first um, brew or your first major brew uh, at Goliad, or was this one that came came along later? This was our very first beer we released. April of uh, 2014. Is it hard to choose like what would be the first like I feel like okay what should we what should we brew first or is it was it just a matter of this is the one that the uh, that the uh, brewmaster came up with that you like the best and off you go. We we had well back in back in the uh, the early days before we were brewing we we targeted three. Um, Three different beer styles that we wanted to make our core three, mm-hmm. and the golden ale was one of them. Now, golden and blonde are the same beer; they're just interchangeable names. Okay, there's you'll actually find you know several craft beers that have interchangeable names like double IPA or imperial IPA, mm-hmm. same beer, same thing. Okay, so th- this is really interesting because golden is one of the lighter beers. When you're when you're first launching, I mean, it would seem like the lighter beer would be maybe more appealing to sort of the mass audience, the Bigger general audience. audience. Yeah. Whereas if you if you cooked up something maybe a little narrower, but more you know uh, darker or something with more bitterness to it, that it might lock in with the you know crazy craft beer nut type uh, people like Ian and myself a little a little sooner. Um, is, again, was it a was it a specific idea? Let's do this one first, or was this just the first one where you said, "Wow, this is really good. Let's do it." Actually, um, actually, when when we when we break down our core three beers, we addressed everything you just said. Okay, so, so. you got one for the mass audience, one for the crazy beer nut people, and uh, then what would the third one be? Um, well, third one would, would be the uh, you know the the hoppier well. The, the, yeah, the hoppier, right. the darker, the hoppier, more interesting flavors. Yeah, right. yeah, so you know, we we address that with all of them. So we have the unique point of difference. We have the IPA and then we have the the golden ale. First thing to take in consideration is our geography. We're in Goliad, Texas. Mm-hmm. Um when me and the brewer landed in Goliad um in October of 13 to uh to start developing recipes, we we went to the store and said, "Okay, what do they drink here?" No oh. craft beer, not one. We wow. were the first craft wow. beer on the shelf in Goliad. Wow! Um, so, 
We, we uh, you know, so when we built the Golden Ale, we built it for two things, Texas climate and Texas cuisine. Mm, we, we, that makes sense because something like this is great with, you know, Tex-Mex and, this, and stuff that's spicy, you know? I would just like to say that this is one of my go-tos. If I ever go into a place and I see this on tap, this is instantly what I'm going to get mm-hmm. because I like it. Uh, it's a big flavor out of a lighter, very drinkable, sessionable ale. Mm-hmm. And uh, and it's got a great malt profile and a finish, and it whatever you're eating, those kind of things are going to blend, and it's not going to interrupt it. It's not going to overshadow it. Those kind mm-hmm. of things. It's very refreshing. It is very drinkable. It's just got it's it's big on flavor, like you say, but it's it's very like this would be a great. This will be a great. Already is a great uh, summer afternoon kind of uh, kind of a beer. Sitting out right. with the buddies, it's, you know. It's kind of a gateway beer too, because if you're used to drinking. The macro brews, and you try this afterwards, it's not so over the top that it's going to turn you off to drinking a micro brew, but it's got enough flavor to be interesting, and it's light enough to be drinkable, like I I said. And I have so many friends that are like that. Like, they really want to drink better beer, uh, but they just have not, you know, found a taste for... You know, imperial IPAs or or really dark porters or whatever the you right. know, whatever the the beer might be, uh, but something like this, you know, very accessible, I think. But like you said, a much better choice than uh, just a, a sort of a mainstream ale or lager. Is this um, so? This was the first one. Really interesting to me because it tastes a lot. It tastes very distinctly different than most other ambers that I'm thinking of. Uh, it's definitely got its own flavor. I can so, almost, so, I can almost uh, like taste Tex-Mex food with it too. Mm-hmm, like it mm-hmm. just feels like it would go so well. So the biggest difference we did is um, that kiss of citrus you're getting on the finish. That's what it is. Is hops. That's hops. So we're sneaking hops into the South Texas palate and and actually acclimating them to drinking hops. Well, it's not with this beer. It's not a bitter hops taste at all. It's very it's bright so, and and like you said citrusy. It's that's interesting. So we put it there for for you know a couple reasons. One was, you know, acclimating, you know, the the uh, local folks to tasting hops. Two, hops interact with spice, and that's what makes this beer great with our cuisine. We like mm-hmm. medium spice load, Tex-Mex, Cajun, mm-hmm. you know, food styles like that. And uh, those hops will just wrangle the spices right out of the food, and make them dance on your palate. Well, that's fantastic. And and um, I just wow, this is really good cold too. And then we cut the breadiness. You've had some other blondes mm-hmm. that they might have like kind of a French bread mouthfeel. Mm-hmm. So we cut the breadiness back. This is a little more like a saltine cracker. So it's crisper, a little more lager like. Yeah, I think a uh, fat tire has a lot more of that bready kind of uh, mm-hmm. flavor to it, which is nice in its place, but not quite as sessionable. I think I agree. Maybe not quite as all afternoon drinkable yeah. as uh, as something like this. Uh, and I would, you know, I would compare it to even something like a Fireman's Four or something like that. A really good sort of blonde, but this is this is definitely a, got a little bit lighter feel to it. And it's that, but it's that citrus that you mentioned that mm-hmm. that that's what makes it that's what makes it different. And so yeah, a lot of uh, a lot of your American blondes and and uh, goldens are going to use like a touch of wheat to give it a little bit of a citrusy note. That will you know that'll have the refreshing aspect, but it won't have any interaction with with uh, food spice. Is so, this- is That's, this the kind of stuff that somebody who's doing like home brewing, like is there does the technology in home brewing exist 
to be able to make those kind of adjustments if you're working on your own oh, yeah. homebrew? Absolutely. Yeah? Yeah. yeah. I don't know a lot about homebrewing because I've never done it before, but I know I, you've toyed I'd like to. The, I'd like to just interject this. I know Mark here has done much more than I have, mm-hmm. um, but in my limited experience with homebrewing, uh, it's basically it's cooking. It's any mm-hmm. given recipe that you do. It takes a little longer, but it's the same thing. You take care, you follow your directions, and then just like any uh, chef, you can adjust your ingredients at the right points in the, uh, in the uh, process to get different results and like uh like when you hop the beer you know if mm-hmm. you hop it up front or if you hop it on the finish those kind of things make a big difference in the overall profile of it so is it more like baking where you have to have like more exact measurements and that type of stuff and the smallest difference in measurement of a spice or a salt or whatever can can change the recipe dramatically or is it more like say a saute or a whipping up a sauce or something where it's a little more by feel well, I'm I'm no chef, but yeah, the ingredients are um, absolutely. It's pretty precise. The exact timing of additions mm-hmm. are precise. The, when you put different things in, the temperature is precise. Wow, um, down to 0.1 degree precise in some instances. Wow, fantastic! All right, we want to try some more of these, and uh, there's several more in the bucket. So, uh, uh, Mark is here from Goliad Brewing, and I got to say, this gold nail is fantastic. Love it. One of my go-tos when I see it. Absolutely. So we're going to come back in just a moment and try some more of these things. Plus, uh, still to come on the show today, unless we get too carried away with tasting beer, uh, we also have some Papa's Pilar uh, Rum 24 Solera Blended uh, that I wanted us to try. And we have brews and booze in the news. And uh, there's a new cigar bar in New York City. We want to tell you about it. So uh, that's all coming up as we continue with Sip, Smoke, and Savor. On Radio Brave, Ian Barry, and my name is Cruz, and Mark from Goliad will be back. Radio Brave, the uh, sounds of Dave Grohl and the Foo Fighters there, and I got hooked on that song, by the way, watching that most excellent Foo Fighters uh, series on HBO. It was the one where they went all over the country and recorded a different song in every city and did a profile on the city, uh, Sonic Highways, I think that's the name of it. Wow, that's a good show. And I'm hoping that they're bringing it back for another season because... uh, uh, that was awesome. Maybe they already have. I don't know. I never checked the TV guide. That's my problem. I'm like, oh, how many seasons has House of Cards been on? You know. <laughs> so, uh, but anyway, uh, thank you for listening to Sip, Smoke, and Savor. Uh, we are savoring some really awesome uh, gold nail right now. It's from yeah, Goliad Brewing. If so. you heard the uh, bottle cap opening there in the I background on the microphone, that's such a beautiful sound. I'm like, rather Pavlovian when it comes to that sound. <laughs> I, uh, I begin to salivate immediately. So, uh, uh, Mark is here from Goliad Brewing. Mark, uh, what are we? What are we sampling next? This is uh, the We're, gold nail was great. Thank you. We're diving right in. Redfish IPA. Oh, 
baby. <laughs> Everybody familiar with IPAs? I'm an IPA guy, so uh, I don't know how much I know about it, but I do enjoy drinking it. So. I was an IPA guy for the longest time, then I just burned out a little bit on it. That's mm-hmm. a personal thing, but I appreciate a really well-done IPA now. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I don't just go for any IPA. I want one that's balanced from front to back, and I think I even mentioned it on the show last week. I don't want to feel like I just chewed a pine cone. Mm-hmm. That's right. So as long as I get a nice... Nice, bright, uh, uh, hoppy start goes across the middle of the tongue with a little uh, malt, and then finishes. And I don't, I don't feel like I've got dirt left in my mouth. I'm pretty happy with an IPA at that point. And I'll say, as an IPA guy, it's great having you <clears throat> in as a friend because you're a challenge to me. Because then I'll go, oh no, no, try this one. I know you like this one. This one's really bad. <laughs> so, so it's, it's it's kind of fun to do this. So you guys set out to do an IPA, and this is called again the Redfish IPA. Redfish IPA. So you set out to do an IPA, and did you have any specific things you were steering it towards or do you kind of turn things over to the brewmaster and then you know take what he gives you like how, how does the process work actually yeah uh, we had a real uh real unique target for this beer okay um everything emerging and dominating the ipa market is west coast mm-hmm. and in re- in the uh, the new wave is everything is moving to session right well, you know, session IPA, uh, you know, it's a category now with BJCP. At the time, I kind of felt like, well, it's it's a pale ale. It's not really an IPA. They're <laughs> just kind of mislabeling it. It really isn't a style. But, uh, you know, there's this lost art of actually making a balanced IPA, you know, that seemed, seemed to disappear. So that's what we went for. We wanted to, you know, of course, take our climate into consideration, you know, very, very strongly. This because Texas you're Texas. Hot. Yeah, sure. Yeah, so uh, yeah, we gave it. Uh, we wanted to give it a nice, good citrus burst, and then a nice balance of malt. So you know, if you uh, if you pick the beer up and and uh, get a waft of it, it'll uh, it'll be like a nice mandarin orange uh, mm-hmm. coming right off of the top. Nice. Um, a little touch of like earthiness, citrus in the background um, around it. The body, though, right up front is just going to burst with this orange peel grapefruit. Right up front. There's a dryness on the finish that I get that I really enjoy too. Mm. It's 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 not a lot. It's just enough to to make you go, I think I want another sip of that. It's it's interesting what you were talking about about taking your surroundings into account because the IPA that sort of converted me from, you know, sort of mainstream beer to craft beer uh, was Harpoon IPA. I lived in Boston for seven years, and it was on tap everywhere. So sooner or later, you know, somebody's buying you one and you're trying it, and I was like, man, this 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 is really good. But I have noticed since moving from the Northeast back to Texas that I don't appreciate it as much here, and I'm wondering if it's because of the weather and the foods, like the difference in, in others. Is that... Am I just dreaming, yeah. or is that legit? No, there, there's you know there, there's uh, layers mm-hmm. to your experience, right? You know, um, it's it's with anything, and yeah, the, the the heat, the humidity, the climate, the food, everything is going to have an overall impact. Um, so this, I'm I'm actually trying this for the first time because I haven't had this IPA, so uh, so this will be interesting. On the uh, talk amongst yourselves. <laughs> yeah, on the uh, on the center notes, uh, you know, we, we when you move from that burst of orange peel grapefruit right up front, uh, you'll notice about midway those malts do start to emerge and yes. kick in. And it's a touch of spicy apricot caramel that balances those hops out, and that bitterness you'll see will start to lift 
and uh, rolls through the finish where it just gently fades away. Yeah, that caramel's what I notice on the tail end especially, too, uh, right after the little uh, citrus burst that you're talking about. The caramel, if you especially if you like have a breath yes. in and you draw it out of your nose real slow, you really kind of feel that. And almost a little bit of cedar I, I kind of get. Cedar. Interesting. Maybe that's just me. <laughs> I am a little stuffy right now. So. Well, you know, it's, it's interesting, Mark, because I, I was taking my, you know, second or third swallow as you were uh, describing the flavors, and I, I've always felt like I'm not really good at pulling out all the flavors. I'll read a description and go, really? I didn't taste honey roasted Cheerios in that or whatever it's, <laughs> but but I could taste every one of those flavors that you described and and you kind of did them in order and that was exactly how I was experiencing them. So this balanced is exactly the right word for this. It's a very balanced IPA, not too bitter, not too sessiony, not too citrusy on the back, but with elements of all those things. There's a great bitterness uh, element in there. And the citrus is more up front on yours, whereas some of the IPAs that I've had, especially the session beers, um, it's it's more on the back. Mm-hmm. So uh, so this is this is really good. Yeah. Yeah, some of the motivation in, in that was, uh, you know, just being in the uh, – the you know the top craft beer accounts and and listening to the general consumers like oh i want this ipa but i have to wait till the end of the night or make it my last right, beer because right. i won't be able to enjoy these other ones that i haven't tried before and i want to try um we we literally we literally <laughs> <laughs> built this ipa so we could pick the golden ale up immediately after a sip and we had to be able to pick the notes out of the golden even after having At, this right on after your the ipa wow. so it's not burning the was, palate right yeah that was how we are indeed this beer and it took us 21 batches of very fine hop movements mm-hmm. <laughs> to to uh, get those hops right in the right spot to where everything worked which is a question i've always wondered how much of developing a beer and getting it exactly the way you want is trial and error. How much of it is, okay, try this batch and add the hops at, you know, one minute later or, wh- or whatever. I mean, I'm, I'm probably not saying it right, but, yeah. but how much of it is that or, kind of experimentation? Or, you know, m- add more at this point, less at mm-hmm. this point. You right. know, just, just move the amounts, move the timing. Um, this, this beer's hopped five times. Five times. Wow. Mm-hmm. And is that a lot by IPA standards? or uh, It varies. Yeah? You know, it, um, I mean, the minimum you're going to hop an IPA is four. Wow. You know, because you got, you've got your, your bittering, mm-hmm. um, flavoring, aroma, and dry hopping. Um, so, uh, yeah, you can, you know, uh, you you take, uh, you know, Dogfish 60, it, it's hopped. You know, every minute for sixty minutes. <laughs> <laughs> I think I saw an episode of Battlestar Galactica like that one time, but uh, I'm sorry for the obscure reference. Just, just pretend I didn't say it. Um, <laughs> this, this is really good, and as much as I love it, I want you to go ahead and uh, uh, open the next one for us to try here because I want to get make sure we have time to get to uh, uh, now. Okay, so Marcus is, is uh, like kind of twirling this bottle. Upside down. What, uh, why are you doing that, and what is it that makes that important for that beer? It's a it's a black Hefeweizen, oh. and uh, what I'm doing is called rousing. Rousing. Okay, now I, I'm unfamiliar with it. Do you know about rousing, Ian? Yeah, if you have sediment in the bottom of this okay. beer, you want to get it moved around, and you want it to be blended with, so when you pour it, you don't just get a bunch All at right. the end. So I don't drink as, as much of the Hefeweizen <clears throat> style, so uh, that may be why I haven't 
figured that out yet. But uh, uh, Mark, while you while you're doing that, uh, people I'm sure can find you on the web. Is it GoliadBrewing.com? GoliadBrewingCompany.com? Yes. GoliadBrewing.com. GoliadBrewing.com. And real quickly, hit what are the what are the best places in the uh, major Texas cities? Since most of our listeners, at least at this point uh, in the show, are in Texas, what are the best places to find your beer in Houston, Dallas, Austin, San Antonio, Corpus we, Christi? We are not in Dallas yet. Okay, but we are working on it. Um, You're doing H- that. You got that big hair thing uh, to put on the <laughs> label before you before you go up there. I understand that. Um, HEB and Specs okay. are were pretty well distributed in, and then um, due to the rotationality of taps these days, uh, we are going to be in the best craft accounts sometimes. Mm-hmm. Right, but they constantly rotate their taps. So it, is it? <laughs> I know it used to be like your favorite place that had a lot of taps would have. You know, it would be the selection of the the beer guy, whoever the head beer guy was there. He'd be like sort of crafting a selection of of brews that would be the signature of the bar. Then it seemed like it it, it became about you know sort of the politics of the distributors and and that sort of took over. Am I right in saying that it's gone? It's kind of going back to the old way that that it's more about the the beer sommeliers, if you will. Uh, that are uh, that are controlling the the taps and things are changing more frequently. Yeah, is thing, that right? Things are changing constantly. Um, there, there's you know typically your your craft bar today is not going to tap the same keg twice in a row. Okay, so we've only got a minute before we go to break. Tell me what we're trying uh, uh, here. This this Hefeweizen. So this is a unique point of difference. The uh, the full name is Presidio La Bahia Black Hefeweizen. Presidio La Bahia being the fortress in Goliad where the massacre happened in Texas history. Um, oh. So it's name it's given that namesake, and it's, and it's a point of different style. It's the style that really doesn't exist. There's no such thing as a black Hefeweizen. Mm, I uh, was going to say I've never heard of that before. So, so we basically just made a Hefeweizen with roasted wheat. Um, simple minds said, get a little chocolate, a little banana. You know, what came out was so far beyond in complexity, it just blew our minds. I mean, you've got wow. uh, you've got bubblegum banana aroma into a roast dark chocolate body up front, transitions to smoky root beer right before the finish, clove on the finish, and the layer beneath, you're finding tobacco, molasses, licorice, and chicory. Wow. And for you cigar fans out there, this is the ultimate cigar beer. We'll taste this during the break, and we'll be right back. It's Sip, Smoke, and Savor. As from what may be my favorite record of the year, the Suffers uh, debut full-length album. That is, is good stuff. So good, and they're so amazing live. It's Sip, Smoke, and Savor on Radio Brave, and we are so glad to have you. So the, I've always said, Ian, when you're doing uh, radio shows, which I've been doing for uh, most of my life, um, that whenever you like end the show and you go, oh, man, we didn't have time for this and this and this, that was a better show than the one where you actually find the way to squeeze everything in. Right. And so today's going to be one of those shows. And maybe I'm just saying that because I'm enjoying this uh, Hefeweizen, but uh, this black Hefeweizen. <laughs> but, uh, but, man, this is, uh, this is awesome. Goliad Brewing uh, in the house. And, uh, Marcus, here we're going to get to uh, another brew. Go ahead. Go ahead. We're going to get to another brew momentarily. But it's time for Brews in the News and Booze in the News. And we have a little bit of each. Um, you and I mentioned last week, Ian, uh, 
Ballast Point, the brewery in San Diego. And right. That I had uh, had to, had a couple of their brews while I was on uh, vacation on honeymoon in uh, in California, and enjoyed them. They are uh, now releasing a new uh, flavored India Pale Lager. It is called Orange Vanilla Fathom. I wanted to see if you thought this was a good idea or not. That's interesting. And a flavored India Pale Ale seems yes. strange to me. And yes. I'm familiar with it. And it's actually a lager. It's an India Pale Lager. Oh, India Pale Lager. Yep. yep. Uh, okay. They're rolling it out in 22-ounce bottles and on draft. It's 7% uh, uh, alcohol by volume. And it's billed as a warm weather, brew, warm weather brew that's reminiscent of a creamsicle in a glass. Wow. <laughs> I, uh, you know, it's probably inevitable because they've been doing porters with various flavors for years, uh, including, like, for years, the Breckenridge Vanilla Porter is such a fantastic, mm-hmm. you know. It's not, to me, it's not something you sit down and drink a bunch of, but just one or once mm-hmm. in a while. It's mm-hmm. almost like a dessert yeah. beer, well, I guess. The, uh, uh, the uh, growth, apparently, for craft brewing in California in general, and for Ballast Point specifically, has been like off the charts. Ballast Points, they call it depletions. I guess that's when they, when they have to like when people are basically reordering the beer that they've stocked in. Right? Am I getting that right? A depletion is um, an actual sale. An actual sale, not yeah, just a, not a we shipped the kegs amount. or we shipped the kegs. Yeah. Well, the depletions rose more than 60% in the first quarter, which ended in May, for uh, Bowles Point Brewery. So it's a it's a brewery that's really catching on. And I'm seeing it here in Texas. I'm seeing it all over the place now. So. Ballast Point also has become a distillery. And I don't know how long that's been going on, but you sent me the... Uh, uh, idea about talking about that, and mm-hmm. I saw that they're actually a distillery as well. And one of the humorous things is they have a whole series of rums, and they're called Three Sheets. <laughs> That's just funny to me. I love that. That is good. <laughs> uh, speaking of rums and spirits, uh, Illinois, Illinois-based uh, FEU Spirits or Few Spirits is introducing Brainville Rye Whiskey in October in collaboration with the band The Flaming Lips. Uh, I love them. Brainville rye is made from a combination of rye, corn, and malted barley grown within 150 miles of the FEW distillery. And it's aged in uh, new charred American oak barrels that are custom made in Minnesota. The label will be a very psychedelic one, which is being uh, being created by designer Justin Helton. Uh, It's going to be 80 proof. It's going to retail at $125 a bottle. So this is not a mass market product necessarily. This is more like a connoisseur type product. It'll debut across uh, key FEW markets this fall, a limited edition of 5,000 bottles, and we've got to get one. In my mind, uh, the entire distilling process is done to the backdrop of Yoshimi versus the Pink Robots, <laughs> oh, see, by the way. See, that's one of my favorite like, that's uh, just That's songs, just going on in my head right now. <laughs> that's one of my favorite uh, lip songs. That's, uh, that's so cool. <laughs> we'll uh, make sure that we play, uh, play that for some bumper music uh, uh, on next week's show. Mark from Goliad Brewing is here. Mark, uh, let me just mention about this. Uh, tell me again, this uh, Presidio La Bahia Black Hefeweizen. Is there really such a thing as Black Hefeweizen? No. Yeah. Right. Well, so, there is now. There Except is now, for we're drinking it, one. It wasn't a category that existed, it right? It still isn't. So it's got a, and I know this sounds like a weird flavor for beer, but it's got a definite banana vibe to it. It are, Is there banana in this beer, or do you mm. get that by doing other things? No, no. Actually, all Hefeweizens are, you know, not all, but um, the Hefeweizen yeast, mm-hmm. uh, the very specific yeast to create this beer, 
uh, produces banana. Wow. Aromas and uh, and a touch of flavor. I mean, it's so distinct and so, like, right on. Like, it it doesn't kind of sort of have a banana vibe to it. I no, mean, it's, it's spot on. You well, know? and he mentioned, I never thought about having a cigar with this, but I will be doing that this week. Oh, I will, man. I will definitely. I've got a Camacho cigar. Corojo that I'm thinking with this right here is going <laughs> to. So going to be the right what time. Thing. Are you, what time are you coming over? <laughs> so the uh, the body will match the tobacco notes mm-hmm. as you're as you're smoking. And what's nice about this is the finishing note, that touch of clove, cleanses and repreps the palate for your next draw. So it also helps preventing that tobacco cake that you'll end up with, you know, if on a uh, on a good long smoking mm-hmm. session. Mm-hmm. So I am pouring. We mentioned this, and this is going to be a little uh, quicker than I probably had planned for it to be, but I thought this might be a good time to try the uh, to taste the rum because this this rum might go I'm rather just, well. I'm just putting my nose on this rum good. after mm-hmm. drinking the black hefeweizen. Mm-hmm. And, I thought it might be a good combo. And the molasses mm-hmm. and the uh, vanilla mm-hmm. in it are blending so well, it's just making me salivate. So we are just looking at about and it. about to taste the Papa's Pilar uh, 24. It's uh, It's not affiliated with the uh, TV show 24. It's the Papa Spillar Rum 24 Solera Blended uh, Rum. It was inspired by Ernest Hemingway's travels. Mm-hmm. And uh, so that's uh, that's at least what the website says about this. And it comes with a nice little thing. And it's in a very interesting bottle, which has like a chain to the lid so you don't lose the lid, which works well for me, particularly when you get down to about the last third of yes. the rum. Uh, bottle. So now, uh, so while guys, you were talking, you're sampling this, while you were you talking, think? I just had a sip of this, and I must say, maple syrup in the absolute best way. Mm-hmm. Not too sweet, not sickly sweet maple syrup, but maple syrup in the best way. Like you can taste the cane mm-hmm. and the uh, and the vanilla and the and the, it's lots of vanilla, like mm-hmm. caramely kind of flavors. It's really warm. Mark, what uh, what are you a rum guy? Do you do you like rums? I do now. <laughs> See, that, but, but that's that's what's wonderful about this, and and I, I love when you're able to do this when you try something that's so interesting and so like off the the norm, maybe for a particular kind of spirit or something that you that you bring in maybe a new fan to something that wasn't necessarily their thing before. I'm amazed at how well that goes after the beer. Well, I'm going back to the beer now after having a sip of the rum, and it's. Uh, it's really pretty amazing. I I have never gone crazy over a Hefeweizen before. This is easily my favorite. I'm not a Hefeweizen guy, but this is easily my favorite that I've ever had, Mark. It works great with vanilla. In fact, if uh, this is an amazing little beer to make a uh, a uh, a beer float out of with vanilla mm-hmm. ice cream, it tastes like a Yoo-Hoo. I bet it's great. Now, I'd like to mention that... Uh, also, while we're talking, Mark broke open a bottle of uh, one of their newest beers that just hit the shelves, and mm-hmm. I can smell it. Oh, yes. I haven't all the way from it. over here. <laughs> even even with the oh. rum and everything else, I can smell it all the way over here. Well, I'm going to let him tell you about it. This but, is going to be a complete departure from yes, the now, rum now and banana. And now for something completely different. <laughs> so we uh, so our summer seasonal that's uh, just now launching um, is a watermelon goza. Wow. So goza, you know, if you're not familiar, is a that's me- spelled G O S E, by the way. Mm-hmm. Yes, G O S E, pronounced goza. You will hear all kinds of pronunciations for it. Goza is goza is the right one. The right one. Okay. Um, so this is a this is a style that's you know was dead 
um, medieval Germany um, and is the hottest brand of 2016, the hottest style. Goza. Goza. It's really? made a complete comeback. What do you attribute something like? Like what, what causes a style that was like basically out of fashion to just come roaring back like that? People brewing it and doing a good job at it. And then people trying it and going, wow. Yeah. Why, why is this not more I mean, popular, right? It's you know being rediscovered or discovered for the first time for a new generation. Well, one of and the nice things about the whole craft beer industry is people are willing to try different stuff now. And mm-hmm. and they'll see, like I myself, I'll see something on a shelf. I go, that just kind of looks good. I'll buy it. <laughs> Which I guess gets to the whole marketing thing that you were talking about at the mm-hmm. very beginning of the show. It's like almost more important in terms of the beer industry in getting people to try your beer, it's almost more important that your marketing is good than obviously the the beer's got to back it up when people try it. But but if your marketing's not good or your the look or the design, people may not ever try it in the first place. Yeah, oh, absolutely, absolutely. So tell us about how you make the watermelon goza, and then uh, while you do that, we'll sample it. So so uh, I'll begin telling you about the goza. The goza is a, a kettle soured wheat. That uh, emerged Ooh. in northern Germany. It's uh, by kettle soured means that uh, the mash is soured before mm-hmm. before it's brewed with. So it's going to be tart like a lemonade. It's got about a three point five pH to it. Um, now, it, traditionally, it was brewed with brackish water or salt water and mm-hmm. coriander. Now we took that. We took you know the, a very very textbook recipe for this. Uh, and infused it with watermelon, and uh, wow. you know we we didn't go for Jolly Rancher, you know, or Candy Ale. Right, but right. no, gum. it isn't that vibe at all. It's not right. too sweet. So, so the body's going to have the deepest part of the, or, or the aroma is going to be the deepest uh, part of the watermelon. It's going to be kind of like that juicy red center. Mm-hmm. Yeah, but as you get into the body, it's going to be more like the flesh by the rind. It's going to be much more subtle. The sea salt's going to be emerging in the background, and then it's going to converge to this tart acidic finish it, that just leaves you really refreshed. It has a really nice tartness to it. It's on great. Yeah. I've got to tell you, this is so good that we're going to have to talk about it uh, next week because we are out of time on the show and this just so deserves to be talked about more. So, <laughs> more about the Watermelon Goza. want to say thanks to Mark from Goliad Brewing. Uh, Goliadbrewing.com uh, is the correct web address. Facebook.com slash Goliad Brewing. Specs and HEB are the uh, probably easiest places to find your beers. Absolutely. They are well worth it. I've had several here that are like new favorites, so uh, awesome. Ian, thanks. We uh, have a lot to catch up on. We'll do it next week. Thank you, Cruz. We'll see you then. Sip, smoke, and savor on Radio Brave.